Good morning and welcome to True Talk. This is your host, Samar Jarrah. My co-host, Ahmed, is on a vacation. Um, we're going to be having an interesting uh, show, I think, today. We're going to go to Jerusalem and talk with Rafat al-Khalili, whose family has been just evicted from the old uh, quarter uh, in uh, Jerusalem. Listen to this song. Uh, it's called Mayil ala baladi, Pass by my uh, k- um, town or hometown or my country by Shalabi Yunus Ghazal Ghrayib. It's a song from Palestine. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. على بلدي لتشوف كيف البحر بيضحك لك لتشم تراب بلادي وترسم حجار ومجدك ميل على بلدي لتشوف كيف البحر بيضحك لك لتشم تراب بلادي وترسم حجار ومجدك ميل على شاطي حيف خدلك من رمل وتذكر صورة بشوارع يافة وعلى صورة العكة مشوار Good, uh, good evening. It's uh, around noon here. Uh, can you hear me? I think you need to unmute. Yes, loud. Uh, loud and clear, yes. Very Hi, good. good. Very good, good uh, Rafat. I was trying to play a music and let you uh, get to give you a chance to listen to it. I'm not sure if you did. Uh, but uh, thank you for being on True Talk. It's a very difficult time for your family. Uh, let me just remind our listeners that we are talking to Rafat uh, Al-Khalili or Rafat Subleban. Um, he is in Jerusalem, uh, I think, or from Jerusalem. Um, Rafat works as a human rights defender and lawyer, and he is currently working. 
working for the UN Human Rights uh, Offices uh, in the occupied territories. He will tell us a little bit more about uh, why uh, at the moment he is in the territories. Um, Rafat, uh, something quite uh, drastic has been going on for the past few weeks. Uh, um, I just happened to follow um, a Twitter uh, handle uh, under your uh, family's name. And uh, I was uh, very, very surprised to know uh, that you ha your family has been fighting eviction from uh, your home and their home uh, for the past maybe 40 years or so. So let me uh, begin because our listeners here in the U.S. may not uh, be familiar with uh, where exactly is your family home. Uh, when they look at these images they, they see of Jerusalem on TV, where they see the Dome of the Rock, the Golden Dome, where is your house exactly, geographic location, the significance of it? Okay. Uh, thank you, Samar, first of all. Uh, sorry I had to join late. Uh, and good afternoon to all listeners. Um, so I'll start, yes, by introducing myself. My name is Rafat uh, Sullaban or Rafat Sullaban Khalili. Uh, as you mentioned, I currently work for the United Nations Human Rights Office in the Occupied Palestinian Territory. My family is from uh, East Jerusalem, from Occupied East Jerusalem, particularly the Old City. Um, my uh, my family on both sides are in fact in origin Hebronites, but my dad's family has been one of the families that moved to Hebron around 230 years ago. Our great grandfather, Sheikh Muhammad Al Khalili, Sublaban, uh, who was actually the Mufti of the Shafi'is uh, or the Shafi'i sect of Islam in Jerusalem during the Ottoman period, whereas my mother's family came from Hebron uh, in 1945. My grandfather came from Hebron in 1945, my maternal grandfather, and married my grandmother in West Jerusalem villages in 1945. And then during the events of what's named, what's called the Nakba, or the catastrophe in Arabic, they were displaced and had to take refuge with my grandmother's family inside the old city. And shortly within one year after that, they rented a house from the government of Jordan inside the old city of uh, East Jerusalem or the old city of Jerusalem, particularly in the Muslim quarter of Jerusalem's old city. And this house was rented since 1949. It's a very old house, uh, very nearby to Al-Aqsa Mosque. From uh, its windows, you actually see the golden dome of the rock. Within walking distance, less than one minute, you will be inside Al-Aqsa Mosque from, from our house, from our home there. And uh, that my family, my mother's family, and then my dad's family, uh, as of the 70s when my mom got married, have been living in this house since then for decades. And uh, as you have mentioned in the beginning, for over 47 years, my family has been fighting against attempts first by the Israeli government, the Israeli occupation authorities, and by Israeli settler organizations to forcibly displace and evict us from the house and seize it for the use of Jewish settlers. So it's been 48, actually, not 47. Now we're in the 48th year. And after 48 years of struggle, of court proceedings, of fighting in all possible means that are open to us as the Palestinian people who have been living under occupation for over 75 years, we tried to use all the possible means that we had available and after 48 years, 
Israeli occupation forcibly displaced and evictus less than two weeks ago. In fact, in 2016, they have banned myself and my siblings from living with with my parents, my elderly parents who are both sick. We were banned since 2016 from living with them in the same house and the Israeli High Court of not justice, the Israeli High Court of injustice banned us from living with them and said that this would be reason to evict my parents if we continue to live with them. Okay, I, you, uh, Rafat, they, I need to dissect all this amazing information you are giving us because people here might not really even comprehend the idea that the government and by law can tell siblings not to live with their families. But before we go to, to that part, so your mom was born in that house, lived her life, all her life in that house, and you too and your siblings were born in that house and lived in that house? No, I'll, I'll, I'll correct here. Yes, my mom was born in the house in 1955. Her mother passed in 19, uh, a few years uh, after, when my mom was still 12 years old. Myself, no, I was not born in the house because the house was already seized by the Israeli uh, settlers in particular back in uh, the 1980s, early 1980s. What they did was we were asked by the Israeli authorities to hold, uh, to hold repairs in the building, saying it's dangerous. So my family moved out, and exactly after moving out, we were notified that the works we are we started doing are illegal. We don't have a permit for them. So you were living. So you she was living in the house. She wanted to do a renovation or to help the house not collapse. Uh, exactly. How did how did they find out that somebody is really working uh, inside their home, fixing their because, home? Because we're we're the last family since 1984 in the building where we live. And as I mentioned, this is in the Muslim quarter of Jerusalem's old city. And it's one of the most targeted areas in in the old city and particularly in the Muslim quarter by Jewish settlement and particularly by Jewish settler organizations that work under a declared uh, role of Judaizing Jerusalem, all of it, also in Silwan, also in Sheikh Jarrah, but particularly in the old city. And this is happening not only in the Muslim quarter, but also in the Jewish quarter, in the Iranian quarter. And uh, and this, like and, this Muslim quarter has been there for, let's say, hundreds of years? Yes, of course, of course. Hundreds. Like, I, I, don't think, I don't exactly know the, the exact age of the building we live in. I, th I think it's at least three, four hundred years old. Uh, but of course, inside the old city, there are buildings from different eras as well. Mm -hmm. Some date from... Mamluk period from the Fatimis, so it also comes from different eras, the building inside the old city itself. Okay. But yeah, they are working to basically ethnically cleanse our neighborhood, which is called Aqabat Al-Khaliya and the adjacent Aqabat Al-Saraya. They have already seized dozens of properties since the 1970s. And uh, this, this settlement actually started by religious uh, movements, religious groups, Zionist religious groups, Uh, they started usually start with taking a property, whether they sometimes do legal means, including forging, taking documents. They sometimes try to buy from the people who accept to. Uh, and in other cases, when they don't find either, they try to use 
gaps in Israeli law, which they put for that purpose in the first place, mm-hmm. to work to remove you from the property and give it for the use of Jewish settlers. So, and as I mentioned, dozens of properties were already taken in the neighborhood and dozens are currently under risk, aside from my family that was evicted two weeks ago. Okay, so let's go back. Your family tried to renovate the house so it would be uh, uh, more safe to live uh, under and inside. And then they said, no, you can't do that. And they evicted you, the whole family? Uh, no, not, not, not evicted. Basically, this was in 1982. In 1984, the last Palestinian family that was living next to us, Al-Karaki family, mm-hmm. were forcibly removed from their home by order of Israeli courts as well. And the settlers who took their home expanded the the apartment into a joint entrance that we and them used to enter the apartments from. And they basically blocked our physical access for 16 years. We didn't have a door to access the apartment. The only way to access it was to go into the settlers' home and jump from the windows of their kitchen. So my parents, again, had to go to courts and uh, to fight for their right to, first of all, renovate the house, but also to gain physical access to it. And it took them 17, 16 years in Israeli courts until an Israeli judge one day asked my mom during one of the hearings, why you're not living in the house? And she said, I don't have a door. And the judge was asking, what do you mean? I want to see for my eyes. And the judge came indeed, had to access our apartment from the settler's house, from their windows, and uh, gave my parents the permission to renovate and to reopen a new entrance. And this was finished in 2001. We moved back into the property. Now, I was born in 1988. Mm -hmm. So during that period, we were living in Beit Hanina. We were renting an apartment in Beit Hanina. And after that, in 2001, we moved back into the house. And uh, for the next seven, eight years, more or less, there was nothing happening. Um, in 2010, we got notified by the Israeli government saying, you know, I, I have to, I, maybe I didn't explain this in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We are tenants. We don't own the property. As I mentioned in the beginning, my, my family or my maternal grandparents rented it from the government of Jordan. Mm-hmm. And these properties are one of two other properties that were abandoned by Palestinians in 1948 or properties abandoned by Jews or Palestinian Jews, in fact, who were living with us as equals before 1948 and who had to abandon the properties during the 1948 events. So these properties were controlled by Jordan and rented to Palestinian families. Most of them were already displaced from other places, including from uh, 48 territory, but also from West Jerusalem and mainly from West Jerusalem. And my mother's family is one of those families that had to rent this property as a refuge, a place of refuge. And they were displaced for the second time. So, and this is, yeah. these properties are controlled, as I said, by Jordan. And then they moved to the Israeli authorities after 1967. So between 1967 and 2010, it was the Israeli authorities trying to use different legal and uh, and uh, bureaucratic means to try and force my family out of the building, hand by hand with Israeli settlers. But since 2010, it became an Israeli settler organization that filed a lawsuit to evict my family, saying this is all Jewish property and we want it to be for the use of Jews, not Muslims, not Christians, not Palestinians. 
Do they have any proof that uh, it was uh, inhabited by uh, Jewish uh, people? And who are these uh, settlers? Because I think it's, uh, I was reading an article actually, and uh, these settlers have a story uh, themselves, but like, do they offer proof? Because, you know, and I want to remind our listeners that I am talking to Rafat in the context of demonstrations happening in the state of Israel, uh, supposedly because the Supreme Court is going uh, to be uh, somehow controlled by this right-wing uh, government. But when you talk to Asrafat, it seems that this very law that they are trying to protect and the Supreme Court that they are trying to protect has uh, obviously a different system of legalities when it comes to the Palestinians because it's not supporting you. But like, do they have a proof uh, that um, there were somebody else living there? And like, who are these people? Where do they come from? These settlers, they just like, and who finances them? Who gives them money? Mm-hmm. Sure. So I'll, I'll start with your last question about do they have proof? So the lease that my family holds dates 1953. There was an earlier one. We don't have a copy from it. Uh, but basically it's for, with a, from a governmental body called the custodian of enemy property, meaning that pre-48 Jews used to live in this property. But we don't know in what capacity, whether they were owners, they were tenants, no one knows. A lot of those records were lost in the 1948 war with the people also who escaped with their deeds and some of the documents were lost. So we, they don't really have a proof as such. What they have is the lease itself that says it used to be all Jewish property. And then what they do is, and this is something they're doing in Silwan and Sheikh Jarrah, and who is they? It's settler associations. They have different names, different organizations, including Ateret Kohanim, including also uh, Ateret Lushna, which was established uh, uh, by Ateret Kohanim, and then also other settler movements that work in Silwan, in Sheikh Jarrah, the Shavobanim movement and others. And all of them work through the Israeli legal system. They work hand in hand with the government. They obtain ownership from the Israeli government with the knowledge of the Ministry of Justice, all the different ministries, the the, the main body which is also assisting them is called the custodian of public property, which inherited all the properties, the public or what was uh, declared public properties or abandoned properties by Jordan. So they inherited all of these properties to this body, and this body works side by side by settlers. This body was the one that released the ownership in 2010 to a settler association under the claim that it is all Jewish property. We haven't seen documents that prove it. They don't even have a specific address for the alleged property they own. They don't even specify in the records or the registration they have done in the Israeli system. They don't even specify the space, how big this property is. And what they are doing is they're using different names of different trusts. In our case, the Galicia Trust. Galicia, it's a region in Eastern Europe around Poland. And it's said that Jews from there have bought a property in uh, in the Muslim quarter of the old city, sometimes like uh, 150, 200 years ago. We don't know exactly when. And they're saying that they are reclaiming this property. But we don't know for a fact if our house falls within that property. And from their side, the government released it to them. They became the owners. 
And I want to note that they don't have any connection to the building. Like they're not the descendants of whoever used to live in the building before 1948. No, it's a religious Jewish movement that's working to seize homes with the assistance of the government. They file lawsuits against Palestinians in Israeli courts. And Israeli courts also work with them. I mean, in my family's 47 years of court proceedings, several of the presiding judges were actually Israeli settlers living in 1967 occupied territories. Like the person who's supposed to represent rule of law is violating international law in their daily life. You understand what I'm talking about? This is a whole system working against you. And when you're Palestinian, all of the system, all of the Israeli governments, governments, different bodies, its different authorities, the police, the army, all of them are working hand by hand against you to displace you, to demolish your home, to seize it, to seize your land. They also arrest you. They also kill you. They injure you. They bring violence daily into our communities, into our lives. And they've been doing it for 75 years, all that I have mentioned, whether it's displacement, it's killing, abuse, oppression. It's been happening for 75 years, and all of those bodies are working against you when you're Palestinian. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM, and I'm talking to Rafat Al-Khalili, who is a human rights defender and lawyer currently working for the UN Human Rights Offices in the occupied territories in the West Bank. He and his family were uh, evicted uh, uh, through uh, the use of uh, law, uh, the um, parallel law that is subjected, uh, the Palestinians are subjected to, they were evicted from their home uh, in uh, Jerusalem, uh, in East Jerusalem, if you watch TV and you see the Dome of the Rock and this whole complex around it, it's full of houses and uh, there is the um, what was known as the Moroccan uh, quarter, there is the Armenian quarter, the Christian quarter, the Muslim quarter and the Jewish quarter and settlers uh, colonial settlers are uh, moving in and ethnically cleansing the uh, Palestinian uh, in uh, East Jerusalem and uh, elsewhere. So Rafat is really telling us a first-hand account of what is going on. Again, uh, I want, because we are here in the US, I want our listeners to know who really finances these people and these groups, because this is not the only one that is working uh, in uh, East Jerusalem and in, in all of Palestine actually, even even within the state of uh, Israel. But uh, who are these, who finances them? Like, you need, they need so much money uh, to be able to do uh, all this legal uh, work. Do you know, uh, Rafat? So, so basically, as I mentioned, there are several of those associations, including, as I mentioned, Ataret Kohanim or Lushna. Another one is called Ataret Yerushalayim. There's also Al-Ad, which mainly works in Silwan and is working on the, what's called the City of David project. And there, like what's happening in Silwan is they're recreating uh, uh, old myths and things that come from religious books. And they want to recreate a city and a park for David and they're evicting and removing Palestinian families from their homes to do that, to do parks, uh, uh, like uh, by biblical, tour, uh, biblical parks, basically. And the price of that is displacement of whole communities, families. And who's funding those people? So in our case, the, 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 as I mentioned, it's called the Galicia Trust. 
or the Hikdesh Galicia. They're using Hikdesh, which which means something like Alqaf endowments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, we we in our area there are two main organizations that are active, or three actually: Ateret Yerushalayim, Ateret Lushna, and uh, also Shavobanim. So. All of those are usually funded by millionaires, usually in the U.S. and Europe. But also in addition to that, there are several charities registered in Europe, in America, in the U.S., uh, like uh, uh, tax-deductible charities mm-hmm. that people give donations to to get away from paying taxes. And they're actually funding this ethnic cleansing and forcible transfer happening in Jerusalem through donations. People are donating to this and as I said, there are also several companies involved, companies registered also uh, like under the Israeli system, but some registered in the U.S. And in our case, there's one specific settler called Eli Atal. This settler has been working in our neighborhood for the past 20 years. He's already removed dozens of families from their homes and working to remove more. And he's an agent of a company registered in New Jersey called 33 Hebron or Hebron, STLLC. Mm-hmm. And it's registered as a real estate company. And this, this person is acting as their agent on the ground. And we usually see lots of Americans coming to the neighborhood, basically coming to shop for apartments, to look at apartments that are available, that are working to evict or already evicted, and to rent and move. And that's that's what's happening. That, As I mentioned in the beginning, the people who are removing Palestinian families from their homes are not descendants of the original Jews who used to live in those properties, if they are in the first place really used to be owned by Jews. Um, they just not, have no connection. They take those those homes, they renovate them, and mind you, they don't allow the Palestinians inside the old city to renovate their homes in any way. Like those properties that are uh, controlled, let's say, by the government and then by the settlers since 2010 in our case, they've banned us from doing any renovations. And we installed once an AC device and we got a court decision from the Israeli legal system saying we have to remove it because it's a historical building. But on the same building, our settler neighbors, Jewish settler neighbors, have an AC device installed. So it is a double system that Mm -hmm. works differently depending who you are. Um, And yes, like all of those bodies, those companies, charities, registered organizations, different companies in Israel as well, work with the acquiescence and hand in hand with the government. I mean, some of those people sit um, on like meetings in the Jerusalem Council, there's the Jerusalem Council to discuss zoning and planning. These people, by the way, their people are currently in government, like the religious Zionism people, Ben-Vir, Smotrich and its people. They are their people. These are the people who elected them that are working to forcibly remove Palestinian families from their homes. And I want to add here that this is not only happening in our neighborhood. As I mentioned, it's happening also in Silwan Sheikh Jarrah, but it's also happening in the rest of historical Palestine, also in Al-Naqab. It's also happening in uh, in Akka. It's also happening in the occupied territories, like the 67 occupied territories, whether it's in Nablus, Musafir Yatta, Khan Al-Ahmar. Like this is forcible transfer that's happening on a widespread and systematic manner. It's, in fact, war crimes that are being committed by removing 
whole communities, displacing them, whether by direct action, direct action of the government, the army, the Israeli army, the occupation forces, or as a cause of settler violence, as happened with several communities for this year, four communities in the West Bank have had have been displaced due to extreme settler violence that's been going on for years, decades. I want to remind our listeners they can send the email to dj at wmnf.org, dj at wmnf.org, and I already have people calling uh, 813-239-9663, 813-239-9663. Rafat will stay with us till the end uh, of uh, the hour. And uh, I just want to make sure that uh, hopefully I will be posting uh, on the website of WMNF a story about this interview and I will have a link to these uh, settler organizations and you might be surprised to know uh, that they are able to um, uh, get millions Millions of dollars of donations, uh, and they are listed as non-profit organizations. So, unfortunately, our uh, dollars are not going only to maintain the occupation, but actually to the ethnically cleansing of the Palestinians from Jerusalem. Now, let's assume, Rafat. Let me be here uh, talking. Uh, and saying, okay, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, these, uh, there was somebody living uh, who is Jewish in that home. Can a Palestinian do that uh, to his house uh, in uh, West Jerusalem? So, for instance, if you take a car, uh, and I visited, of course, Palestine, and I visited Jerusalem and West Jerusalem, like when you are driving, you can see names of families like Al-Khaldi or Al-Alami, or um, Hamami, uh, or you can actually see uh, stones, you can see Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, or Rabbi ahfad li bayti, like things that are only a Muslim would put it, or even in the, uh, in the Christian Arabic narrative, a Christian family would also uh, put that. Can a Palestinian say, oh, by the way, in 1948 or 67, you evicted me from my home in West Jerusalem, can I go and claim it using the these laws that were used to evict you and your family? Of course not. Uh, basically, um, the racism is enshrined and rooted deep within the legal system, as well as the, the, the government and its bodies. It's also rooted in the laws and in the conscience of the judges who preside the forcible transfer and oppression of and human rights violations against Palestinians. So this is based on all of this is based on a law from 1970s called the Administrative Affairs Law that the Israeli enacted after occupying East Jerusalem and annexing it in 1967. So they they based on this law, Jews can reclaim properties allegedly owned pre-1948, including in cases from hundreds of years ago. They tried to like recreate legal personalities of uh, of things like waqf, as they are using in our case, hikdesh or an endowment. They recreated from 150 to 100 years ago, like a legal body, and that assumes control of an allegedly owned property pre-1948. Whereas Palestinians who less than uh, eight decades ago 
were displaced from their homes that you had just mentioned in West, in West Jerusalem, or in matter of fact, in the rest of 1948 occupied the, the Palestine. There are lots of villages, towns that were not destroyed. They destroyed 550 villages and towns in 1948, the Israelis, but there were some not destroyed and also seized. And all of those Palestinians are not allowed to reclaim any of their properties based on the same law because it's it's only allowed for Jews, same as other laws that have been enacted in the past 75 years by this self, self-proclaimed democracy that apply only to Jews, including what they call the return law, meaning coming making aliyah between two coats and coming to live in what they call the land of Israel. So this law only applies to Jews, but it doesn't apply to the Palestinians who were forcibly displaced and transferred in 1948 or in 1967. It's only exclusively for Jews, same as reclaiming allegedly owned properties. Even, and that's why we... Sorry, Rafat, even if a Palestinian is like my mom is born in al uh, Majdal. Um, which is like a, a city, nor- a town north of Gaza. So anyone who was not born in Israel but says I am Jewish can go and live there and buy property, but somebody like my mom who was born there can't? Of course not, no, of course. They don't allow you to come back, and that's what Israel has been doing for 75 years. It's, it not only displaced a whole nation, and stole or destroyed their properties, lands, and homes. It's also been preventing them from coming back from the past 75 years. And then we're living either as uh, as refugees in the surrounding countries, in Jordan, Syria, or Lebanon, or have or are living like as the, in the diaspora in the U.S., in Europe, and other and other places, um, in uh, in South America. Um, so yeah, all of those are not allowed to return. But if you had one eighth fruits that supposedly Jewish. You are allowed to come and live and you actually get supported. They give you money, tax exemptions. They enroll you for like courses to learn the culture. They enlist you in the army. You get like privileges. They help you get an apartment. But when you are a Palestinian, whether if you're uh, Christian, if you're Muslim, or if you're uh, Druze or otherwise Armenian, let's say, uh, you would not be allowed. Only This law only applies to Jews. It's racist in the sense it only applies to Jews. Okay. Let me take uh, Jack. He's been waiting for 10 minutes. Uh, Jack from Dover, do you have a question to Rafat? Uh, yes, Summer. Could you ask him if um, I remember with Yasser Arafat and the Palestine Liberation Army, Is his family affected by what Yasser Arafat did, or is his family supported by what Yasser Arafat did? That's my question. What did Yasser Arafat do? Well, from what I understood, he was responsible for separating Palestine from Israel and making it its own country of Palestine, if I remember correctly. Uh, Yeah. Okay, Jack. Uh, I don't think so, but uh, Rafat, you want to answer? Um, I don't think people understand, maybe because there is so much talk about Israel being a democracy, the only democracy uh, in the Middle East, and because um, they keep talking about the two-state solution and the Arabs never fail to to fail and to say no to uh, agreements, people really think that there are two entities like the, for instance, you mention. I keep mentioning that you work for the UN in the occupied West Bank. Is there like an independent Palestinian state 
that Arafat no. created or any Palestinian created? Or like, can you explain, for instance, this map, this map from the north to the southeast uh, Jordan River to the Mediterranean and north from uh, uh, where the border is Lebanon and the south where the border uh, is uh, Jordan and Egypt and all that. I mean, try to explain, like, what is that entity, that that geographic map? I'll, I'll try. So, so basically, uh, I think what what uh, what um, the listener was asking about was the Oslo Accords. Yes, as Yasser Arafat and the PLO signed that. Mm-hmm. And yes, like legally, it. Uh, I don't think it created a state per se, but it was like in the process towards creating two states living side by side. And so this was in 1992. And since then, like in the, the next three decades, what happened is the exact opposite. The Palestinians were not given an independent state. They were living. They were given like uh, geographically separated cantons that uh, they maintain some limited uh, authority on. But in fact, they don't have any kind of authority. It's not really two states. It's not two countries. It's more like uh, uh, two countries fighting each other. Or the one place that that there was one country in the past. It's like two identities fighting themselves, and uh, I don't know who will win. I don't think it's about win. Everyone loses because of this. Uh, but yeah, this is the reality. That there's no two states. I don't think there are two states. There's no defined borders as such, um, and I don't think it corresponds even with the UN partition plan, which started in my. In my uh, belief, this whole dilemma and problem, um, because the reality and that for decades, even centuries, all peoples, whether Jews, Muslims, Druze, Armenians, all of them lived side by side in one place, regardless of what you call it. But since 1948, that changed. There was more than uh, 60% of what was historical Palestine seized in 1948 by the Israelis. And then in 1967, they continued. And today, there's no Palestine. There's like um, a few villages and a few city centers, but that's not really a state. It's not even geographically connected. I hope I um, I gave the overview you were hoping for. Yes, I do have uh, like an uh, email and then because we are live on Twitter, so I got uh, some uh, messages. I hope we have time to cover them. But there is a gentleman or a gentlewoman, I'm not uh, sure. Is your guest familiar with the Florida Israel Business Accelerator? And he is thanking us for uh, this important show. Do you know any idea if there is... There is Florida Israel Business Accelerator. Maybe it's related to uh, the the activities. I'm not familiar with it, but I'll I'll look into it. Thank uh, thank more her. Yeah. For, uh, 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 also, uh, you know that the uh, the Palestinian cause is very very uh, dear and uh, to the hearts of not only Arabs and Muslims but uh, people of conscience and. Um, many, uh, actually, this is a question uh, I got uh, via Twitter. What keeps the Palestinians um, like trying and resisting? Because 
If you don't mind, actually, I want to play this segment. I hope you can hear it, uh, if not uh, the listeners will, uh, from uh, the what happened, uh, the commotion that happened and how they were throwing uh, your uh, stuff outside the house. So I'm going to play this, um, uh, so be patient if you can't listen to it. هذا الحرامي عم بسرق كل الحياة بقول حاله بقول حاله ومساعدتي المحاكم جنادين 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 My mom is Noura Ghey. She's been living in this house for 75 years. This morning, Israeli occupation evicted her and my elderly dad from the house. So an Israeli settler organization can seize our home. They have seized the home. They will renovate it and now move a random Jewish family in our place. This is happening in all the neighborhood. As-Saraya, Al-Khaldiya, 14 families under the risk, now 13 because they evicted us, and there's 15 houses taken already. They're ethnically cleansing the Muslim quarter. We're in the Muslim quarter of occupied Jerusalem's old city. They're committing war crimes in broad daylight, and the world is silent. Enough. 75 years occupation, oppression, displacement. Uh, welcome back to True Talk, uh, Rafat. Uh, I hope you were able uh, to listen. Uh, so the question uh, from uh, Twitter that I received: What keeps the Palestinians resisting and 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 taking all this? Like, if people just go to YouTube and see the images of uh, taking your furniture, your mom's dresses, your mom's uh, cabinets, uh, her cooking utensils, everything is dumped in the streets. Like, how can you take it? Sure. So, um, Palestinians are always known for sumud or perseverance. And uh, I think we are. Yeah, we are. I believe we are. A we are trying to persevere in the face of this brutal oppression. It's been harming us, displacing us, killing us, destroying our lives, our hopes, our dreams for 75 years. Like my, you mentioned earlier, the Moroccan quarter in Jerusalem's old city that was demolished in 1967, exactly mm -hmm. as it was occupied. My dad is an eyewitness. He was 16. He saw that from his family's home window, the, the Moroccan quarter being razed, destroyed to the ground. And the Israelis have been doing this for 75 years. They continue to demolish houses. They continue to steal them. They continue to kill us. So, yes, we are persevering in the face of it, but it's also taking a toll on us, a toll on our health and our mental health. Like my, my mom and dad have been fighting this way longer than I have. They've been doing it for 48 years now. And it took a toll on them. The past 10, 12 years, my mom has been on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. The past two, three months that we were under the risk of, uh, of forcible eviction before it happened, we were also under a lot of stress and uncertainty, not knowing when they will come. And they actually like played some kind of psychological warfare with, the, with us, with the family, by keep sending police and armed uh, security personnel to stand outside the building to scare us and intimidate us, take IDs of journalists, activists, solidarity, uh, visitors who used to come in the house, to the house the past three periods. It was a lot of intimidation, a lot of lies as well. They've been actually trying to to lie on my family's name, saying that we sold the property. We mm -hmm. never owned the property. We never alleged to have owned it. The settlers have been saying this to the people in the neighborhood. 
Israeli police have said this to activists when they were arrested in our protests the past months. They said, this family has sold the house. Why are you standing in solidarity with them? And this is what Israel has been doing, like by trying to create this propaganda since 75 years ago by saying we bought Palestine, we bought all of Palestine. No, you did not buy all of Palestine. Jews accounted for like five, six percent of Palestine back in 1948. Today, we, we don't maintain control over around 12 percent or 14 percent of what's left of historical Palestine as Palestinians. The rest is either controlled by the Israeli government, its security, or by the Israeli army and the government, obviously, in the West Bank as well. And Gaza remains under siege. It remains occupied in the eyes of international law. So they've, they've been, we've been living under this occupation, oppression, apartheid, racism, daily humiliation, for 75 years and what happened last Sunday was a very dehumanizing experience for us as a family throwing our belongings in the street leaving us to pick to pick our belongings and our memories our past from the street and they went even further they actually arrested me that morning mm -hmm. 10 minutes after I arrived into the neighborhood as our furniture and our belongings and private property was in the street they arrested me because one of the settlers, and that's the main settler I mentioned earlier, Elis Eliatal, when they were taking out the fridge from inside the building, he came after the fridge holding a bottle of yogurt. And he approached me holding the bottle of yogurt and told me in Hebrew, take. So I, I looked at him and told him, I don't want it. I pushed the bottle of yogurt. It fell on the floor. It splattered. And from the splatter, it came on one of the settlers. They immediately ran to the police who were standing next to us. They said, I assaulted them and I was arrested for that. I was banned from being with my family as they were being humiliated. I was banned from helping them this Sunday. They took me into custody for seven hours. I was cuffed in both my hands and feet for a whole seven hours. I was interrogated and charged with assault and disturbing the public order for dropping the bottle of yogurt or assaulting, let's say, the bottle of yogurt. I was treated like a terrorist. I was not allowed to call a lawyer. I was not even allowed to call and notify the UN who I work for. In addition to that, I was not given food or water for the first four hours. And it was dehumanizing. It was humiliation and intimidation and even punishment for me and my family for speaking up against their oppression, their violence, their racism. And yes, we are persevering. Yes, we are continuing to raise our voice as, as much as we can. And I'm taking a lot of effort, same as my mother, the rest of my family, by, by repeating the story over and over and telling the people for months now about what's happening to us, what's happening in our neighborhood in Silwan, Sheikh Jarrah, and all of Palestine. This has to end. It's very dehumanizing for us, for our daily lives. We're going to continue to fight it, but we're also tired. We don't deserve this. What on earth did we do to deserve all this injustice and oppression? What? I really want to know. If the listeners know, please tell me what me, my family, my people have deserved, have done, sorry, to deserve this. Let me uh, read uh, what uh, one listener uh, just sent us, uh, Rafat. He says, hello, Samar. 
Just wanted to thank you for the fascinating show today. It's truly amazing to hear the gentleman from Palestine. My heart goes out to the gentleman and his family. It is astounding that people perceive that Israel is a democracy. That idea is ridiculous. We really hope that things will improve for the Palestinian people. Great show. You're a shining light where no one does. And um, that's what uh, people, when they listen to Palestinian voices, and that's why we're lucky to have WMNF, to have such voices to be uh, telling what is going on. Uh, now the gentleman is asking, really, how, what, what do you feel when people say that it's the only democracy in the Middle East? And that people are watching TV and admiring the people in the streets, protesting against the new uh, laws changing vis-a-vis the Supreme Court. Does any of that make sense to you? So I'll, I'll start by saying that Israel has never been, never was, never will be a democracy. It, it, even the, the, the concept just does not work democracy based on one single factor is not a democracy. Democracy only for Jews is not a democracy. A democracy does not commit human rights violations in mass for decades. Democracies do not oppress people. Democracies do not violate international law. Democracies do not maintain military occupation over over millions for decades. A democracy does not put Gaza under siege for 20 years. This is not what a democracy does. Those Israelis are fighting for democracy for themselves, not for us, not for everyone. A true demonstration or protest for democracy would have been a protest that raised our voices, a protest that said, We want democracy for all. We want occupation, oppression, apartheid to end. We want an end to all of this brutal oppression. That's people calling for democracy. And there are some Israelis. Like the past few months, a lot of of the activists, solidarity activists that have been coming and going are also Israeli activists. They weren't protesting, carrying Israeli flags in, in Tel Aviv or in Israeli streets. They were protesting outside our house, carrying banners saying ethnic cleansing is a crime. These are people who are protesting for true democracy, for human rights. I don't accept those tens of thousands who are rallying with Israeli flags. These are calling for democracy for themselves. And these same people are the enforcers, the police, the army that come to oppress us that have served previously in the armory and took part in our oppression and the war crimes being committed against us. So these are not champions of democracy. No, these are champions of their own rights, rights only for them, rights only for Jews and at the expense of Palestinians. I mean, this is what Israel is. It's a body that was created on the ashes of Palestine. It's it's a body that, that's standing on the lives of Palestinians, stealing them for 75 years. So no, it's not a democracy. So what uh, what is your family planning to do? Is there any... I hate to use this word, but is there any legal means uh, under such a system that your family can use uh, to try and, uh, or is it too late? It's over. These people are inside the house. So in in front of the Israeli system, not really. We don't have much to do. Uh, 
we're still trying to dig into the alleged ownership of the settlers because again like they're they're using the same allegation to take over a whole neighborhood this is not just one or two houses they're claiming to have owned almost a quarter of the muslim quarter of jerusalem's old city and this is not true they might have owned a few homes but they have seized dozens already since the 70s and working to 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 remove dozens more around the old city and now they have started in the armenian quarter as well mm. so uh, legally speaking no there's not much to do because the courts are not on your side they're not real courts they don't represent rule of law they are courts that enforce the occupation that sign off on war crimes and for us we're still trying to dig into this alleged ownership on one hand but on the on what we are mainly seeking at the moment is a submission to the international criminal court very good we already sent an urgent letter through an organization in the uk mm-hmm. that has made an urgent submission to the prosecutor including to ask for a statement the prosecutor hasn't issued a statement and to my understanding this new prosecutor hasn't issued any statements on palestine since assuming office mm-hmm. um but now we're working to complete the file and make a, a full submission to the court um and uh, i don't know like how long this will take obviously it's uh, it's going to take long because it's palestine because not just israeli law works different when it's about palestinians it's also international law it's also british law it's also european law it's also american law because the lives of palestinians do not matter apparently for some reason we just dehumanized in the face and the eyes of the whole world and even like in under international law we are held to a different standard as palestinians that's much inferior to how the international system responds or operates when it's about something else and although, the proof for this, yeah. the most recent Sorry, uh, uh, although I, I just wanted to say, Rafat, although the Geneva Convention should cover the Palestinian uh, case, uh, you know, uh, but uh, like you said, but because we're running out of time, I just want to ask you about your work with the UN. Um, the UN can't help you and help your family and help the Palestinians. I mean, they do have offices Uh, in Palestine or in the West Bank or in Israel? So, um, the UN has issued statements about uh, my family's uh, forced replacement forced before it happened. There was also a statement issued by the Special Rapporteur Francesca Albanese uh, following the actual commission of this war crime against me and my family. Um, but I think even the UN is somehow helpless in the face of Israel. I don't know why, but it also some, it feels somehow helpless when it comes to the face of this brutal system of apartheid. Um, and, um, and I want to add, it's, it's not just the UN like that's, that's not doing anything. It's the whole international community, the member states of the United Nations that... that are either complicit or silent with what's happening to us. So, uh, so, and I want to add also that the office I work for in the United Nations is actually an office that Israel has been boycotting for over two years now. Yeah. And they have also removed all its international staff from the OPT, not renewed their visas. I so, want to... Uh, 
I want to thank you, Rafat, because we're really running out of time. I want to thank you, Rafat Subleban, from Jerusalem, whose family was just evicted and ethnically cleansed from uh, East Jerusalem. Uh, I wish you well, uh, and please uh, give my uh, warm uh, regards to your brave uh, mom, Rafat. Thank you so much for being on True Talk. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, this was uh, True Talk on WMNF. You see why you should uh, always support WMNF. WMNF Tampa, NPR News is next.